There's a few questions in here, but before I answer these questions, uh, last week we received an email saying that there will be a, a group of Simon Fraser University students coming for this session. Are you that group of people? Yeah, it's that group of people. Oh, yeah, this group of students from Simon Fraser. Oh, okay. So you have, you have six, about 16 people, right? Oh, okay, 15 people signed up. That's good. So, uh, welcome to the temple. Thank you very yes, much. yeah. Um, and it's a rare opportunity because you, uh, by coming to the temple today, if you, if you pick another day, you wouldn't have gone through the experience of eating in a temple. You may not have gone through the experience of meditating. So, you have, you're, you're, actually, you have, you're three in one. Three in one. You have, you have practice of meditation. Uh, you're dining in the Buddhist temple, and you're also listening to a lecture. It's three in one. Uh, it's good. So I hope you all get an A if you study. If you study. <laughs> so don't quote me for not studying. I, I'm still looking for that book, Past Examination Without Studying Hard. <laughs> uh, when, I was a, when I was a junior at university, not a junior, a, a high school, and uh, we've been talking. Is there any book that teaches you how to pass examinations without studying at all? I've been looking for that book and I couldn't find it. I haven't located it yet. And if you can find it, let me know. Um, okay, so uh, the first question. For my understanding, the Pure Land only has happiness. And if we never suffer, how can we feel the happiness? So, there are, there are uh, in the Mahayana school of Buddhism, the two schools, primary, generally, there's two sects, of, two schools of Buddhism. One we call the Mahayana, and we also call the other Hinayana. Hinayana is also called as a Theravada. Uh, it's, Mahayana is the larger wheel. We call it the larger wheel Buddhism, and Hinayana is a smaller wheel. Uh, larger and smaller does not mean is less. It does not mean does not measure it by importance. Both are important. It does not mean that the smaller is not as important as the larger. No, it's just another method of practicing. Both are the same and important. In the Mahayana Buddhism, there are eight schools in itself, and uh, of course there is the Avantasaka school. There's also uh, meditation, uh, the eight schools. One of the schools is Pure Land Buddhism. One of the eight schools is Pure Land. Um, reciting or chanting the name of Amitabha and uh, uh, involving in uh, uh, Samatha and Vipassana of reciting the name Amitabha and to re be reborn in the Pure Land uh, at the juncture of death. So the Pure Land so there are people who practice that school, and when they passed away at a juncture of death, they would not reincarnate again. They would be reborn in the pure land, and in that land, there's only happiness, 
no suffering at all, only happiness. That is like a, an intermediate stage where you, you learn in there to become the Buddha. You're not the Buddha yet. You, you, will, you will be born in there under the um, patronage of all these other saints and sages, under the teaching, uh, under the teaching of Amitabha Buddha, Avalokitesra, Bodhisattva, and a lot of others, uh, philosophers and saints and arahats, until you practice and become the Buddha. So that's the pure land. But in there, you enjoy longevity of life of millions of years, and you, there's no suffering. Now, given that background to answer this question, it says, if we never suffer, how can we feel the happiness? Well, you are making an assumption that is not true. Are you suffering? If we never suffer, you are suffering and we are suffering. What are these sufferings? We all know all these sufferings. It's, it's not a negative approach to life. Suffering is an accepted fact. International wars, Catastrophes, tsunami, earthquake, starvation, genocide, you name it. Criminal offenses, killing, raping, stealing, robbing. So many, so many of these things in the world. You, you open up the newspapers and, and you can gather a lot of information on the sufferings of humanities. And um, not only Humans suffer. Animals. Humans kill animals for food, you know. In this luncheon, you have done one very good deed. In this luncheon, you're not responsible for all the killings of animals on earth. In all the others, you may be partially responsible. So that's the reason why all Buddhists are vegetarian. They don't kill animals for food. They don't slaughter pigs and cows and chickens and uh, they eat vegetarian food. They don't kill animals. They render compassion to animals. So, this world is not only characterized by sufferings of humanities, suffering of the humans, it's also characterized by suffering of all animals. Who imposed sufferings on these animals? Usually humans. It's not right, you know. We habitually he'll kill animals for, for their flesh. And it's not right. It's not right to pass this cruelty to animals. We don't take it for granted that they should be eaten every day. And uh, you, you go and visit slaughterhouses. If you go to visit slaughterhouses, you will know the cruelty involved in slaughtering chickens and many, many other animals. Getting back to this now. If we never suffer, I don't think we should make an assumption that we never suffer. We suffer. Aging is suffering. Sickness is suffering. Have you been sick before? Is sickness a suffering? Depends on what kind of sickness. I've seen people who lie, who has bedridden for years. And Lee just visited someone who has been in a bed, hospital bed for 12 years. And uh, you're eating a good lunch in here. You know what his lunch is? It's a bottle of liquid. They hang it up on that scaffold and they drip it and that's lunch. For 12 years, that's lunch. And I don't have to tell you all the sufferings in hospitals. 
You go and visit hospitals. You go and visit orphanages. You go and visit OH homes. You go and visit hospitals for crippled children, for the mentally retarded. Have we mentioned enough sufferings? We haven't mentioned all the sufferings in other parts of the world. You are in a more developed world. How about in underdeveloped countries? So you can never. I don't think we should, and we can make the assumption that there's no suffering. So if we never suffer, how can we feel the happiness? Because we know we suffer, and we want to get away from suffering. I guess everybody wants to get away from suffering, and that pure land is the intermediate. We call it the country or the land that we can be reborn to, and in there, we learned to attain bodhi, to transcend reincarnation, and get enlightenment to become the Buddha. So, if we never suffer, no, we suffer. How can we feel the happiness? What is happiness? What's the definition of happiness? We already have. More or less define it. Back there, we've got to have peace of mind to be happy. If you don't have this peace of mind, it does not matter how much money you have, how much reputation, how good, how how much material you have, how much possessions you have. If you if you're not, if your mind is not at peace, how can you be happy? In there, in the pure land, there's no suffering. You always have that joy to learn, that joy to learn to attain a nutra samya sambuddhi, to attain enlightenment. That is an expedient way of becoming the Buddha. Remember the four levels that we've talked about: strota apana, sakra dagaman, anagaman, and arahats. That takes a long time. Just the first level. Stodapana. After you have attained that level, you still have to be reborn again in seven times, approximately, before you become the Buddha. And in the second level, the Sakra Dagaman, you have to come back to this world of desires for one more lifetime before you become the Arahant. And Anagaman, you have to reside in Rupadhatu for one more life before you become the Arahant. So to answer that questions, we have suffering, and we, we when we are there, we uh, we only have happiness. Maybe what you, what you what you want to, if I can guess, what you want to know is, if there is no suffering, how do we know happiness? In other words, if we never suffer at all, how 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 do we know there's happiness? But it's not true that you never have suffer. Happiness and suffering is in the world of duality. Is in the world where there's a subject as an object, and if you transcend duality, you are in you are you are you are away from suffering. And in that, and in that, I don't know what, how we call it. In that body, sometimes it's not name. Name is not that important. You can call it whatever you want. You can call Buddhism anything you want. It's just a name.
It's just a concept. Don't stigmatize words. Don't stigmatize name. Labelize word. It's not important. Words are not important. It's the meaning of it. So I have answered the first question that I don't intend to carry on and linger on. And here comes another question which is simple and clear. What did we eat? What did I eat? Don't you know what you're eating? Don't put anything in your mouth if you don't know what you're eating. <laughs> On the other hand, I should compliment you for trusting us. <laughs> know what we put in your mouth or what you put in your mouth? We are, we are put preparing food and you're putting the food in your mouth with your own intention. That's vegetarian food. No meat. No killing is involved. It's strictly vegetarian vegetables. So what do you eat? Well, we'll give you the recipe later. Well, so you're eating something that is that has no killing instinct in it, that is purely vegetarian, and that you already have built up a very good cause for being more kind, more compassionate, because you know that it's not right to kill animals. Um, you've been doing that habitually. Some people kill them for you. Third question, can the practice of meeting, of Reciting Amitabha's name be done as a method for meditation instead of focusing on the breath at the nose tip can be mixed and matched. Yes. You don't have to use the nose tip as the object of concentration. You can use the name of Amitabha because Namo Amitabha, you can, when, when, you, when the breath, com breath comes in, you, you Silently, without sound, is Ami. When, when the breath comes out, is Taba. Ami Taba, Ami Taba. You use that word as your object of concentration. You just change your object. What is Samatha, Vipassana? Meditation involves Samatha and Vipassana. Zi, Guan. Zamata is for the concentration. You need an object. We use the nose tip as an object, and sometimes we use maybe a candle flame as an object, maybe a, a puddle of water as an object. You can use so many objects for meditation. And you can use that name, Amitabha, as your object of meditation. That's the means to achieve the end. The, the end is to have that concentration to put your mind under your control. You have to know. You have to know how to curb, how to control your desultory thoughts. To put your mind, if you can be mindful, we always say mindful meditation. If you're always mindful of yourself, you'll be a much better person. Why? You know what you're doing. If you're not mindful of yourself, you don't know what you're doing. We're driving on the road, you don't pay attention to the driving, you're not mindful of the driving, you get into problems. You either, you either hurt yourself or you hurt others. So you see the importance of mindful, mindfulness? If all the students in the lecture 
are mindful of what the professor is talking about, he'll sure get an A unless he doesn't want to study. I've been to university courses. Some students don't really care. They just want the attendance. They just want to show up at the professor, the professor and see them and they, they, they don't even, some of them don't even, didn't even buy the textbook that they got from the library. And they just attend the course and they're not mindful. Their body is sitting there but their mind is millions of miles away. And uh, you're not mindful. If you're not mindful when you're driving, if you're not mindful when you're working, if you are high risk, if you're involved in a high risk job, you're not mindful, you hurt yourself. So mindfulness is very important. We call that mindful meditation. Put your mind under your control. Whatever the mind conceives, the mind can do. Thomas Edison, he went through more than 200 lap experiments. He's been mindful of what he's been doing. This mindfulness leads him to inventions. Andrew Carnegie, all these positive thinkers, they're very mindful to just pick one concept and they make people successful. Concentration. Do you have the concentration? You're reading a book, you're reading chapter 1 and 2. Some, some students who are mindful, who had very good concentration, they finished two chapters in one hour and they grabbed all the meaning already. For those students who are just desultorily reading without mindfulness, they spend a whole half day in reading two chapters and they still haven't got it. So there's mindfulness. So coming to meditation, to this class, you don't not even improve on your moral conduct. You also improve on your performances at universities, performances on a job site. Say, so if everybody is mindful of what he's doing, and if he has the right understanding, if his mind is, is geared towards righteousness and not bad things, this society will be a much better society, much safer society, much purer society to live in. So we always say, before we turned this restless world into a more peaceful one, can we turn all the minds to be more peaceful? Can we turn all the minds to be pure? If we can change mind, we can change society. We can't just change society without changing people's mind. It's the mind that precedes all action. It's the mind that precedes all thought. So what is Buddhism? Is it about worshipping? <coughs> Leaning down in prostration? No, no. It's about here. About the mind. About yourself. Not about an external God. No. Not about an external God. About how to improve yourself. You have that God in you. That Godness in you. Don't look for it outside. It's from within. If I look from outside, I'm on the wrong track. 
I should look with, within myself, be mindful. So you're asking me, yes, you can mix Amitabha with meditation. No problem. The fourth question, what is it that sentient beings are mixed such that they can feel pain, emotions, and all the things that make them suffer? Where did the notion of desire come from? I'd like to answer your, 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 the, uh, the last question. There's two questions. Where did the notion of desire come from? I've just mentioned it. Where did desire come from? From your own mind. It does not come from, from an external source. Desires originates from your mind. Don't blame the object. Blame yourself. Sort of a, if there was a, if there was a gentleman who saw, a, say, a, a beautiful lady. There's two gentlemen. They have different mind. One look at a beautiful lady, they would generate a lot of thinking. The other, he doesn't attach. So don't blame that lady for her, for, his, for her beauty. Nothing to do with your desires. You generate that desire in your mind. Don't blame the object. You have to blame your own mind. It originates from your mind. Why is it that sentient beings are make such they can feel they can feel emotions? You believe that sentient beings are created by a creator? You still believe there's a God who created you? You see, sentient beings are made. You mean you are being made? You're being created? Sure, in this life you're created through the means of your mom and dad. Without your mom and dad, you will never be created. If we get into biological, it's the fusion of the sperm and the, and the, and the metasaur together. It's a fusion that, boom, that comes you. But that's, you're just looking at the problem, you dissect the problem and look at the middle, the means. Nobody create you. You create your own karma. <clears throat> you create... You create your own world through what you have done in the past, through what you are doing now. What you, are, what you have done in the past, you get it now. What you are doing now could affect your future. So watch your thought. Watch your action. Watch your speech. From now on, you know simultaneous causality. You know every thought that you have must be benevolent. Every thought you have must be compassionate. Every thought you have must be righteous. Every thought you have must be what? Endurances, diligent, um, all the good facts in it. All the good causes in it. Only cultivate good causes. Don't cultivate bad causes. Don't cultivate egoistic causes. If you're always cultivating good causes, your future will be bright because all these good effects will come back to you. Let me give you an example. Your brothers and sisters at home, 
You're not, you're always at, you're always fighting your brothers and sisters. From tomorrow on, or from today on, you give them kindness. You forgive them for what you have done. You build up intimate, good relationship with them. You forgive all that they have done, the bad things they have done to you, you forgive them. You start to be good to them. Everything will change. Because you render yourself and render yourself for the compassion, to give compassion to your brothers and sisters. And they will bounce back to you. And you love them and they love you. Forgiveness. So you start to change yourself by cultivating good causes. If from, from, from now on, if, if you're only taking that course in, in, in the middle of the term, from now on, you put in all your efforts in that course. I don't know, is it, is it Buddhism 100 or Buddhism 120? I don't know. But what kind of course is that? Uh, Buddhism 300. Wow, there's a high level. 331 is a history of Buddhism from India to China. Oh, I see. It's a history of Buddhism. There's a high level three, 300 course. From now on, if you put all your concentration in that course, you'll be doing a good job. You'll get an A. Are you a tough marker, a professor? You're not a tough marker, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm fair. Oh, fair. That's good. <laughs> That's good. As long as it, since you've got a fair professor, as long as you put in all the efforts, learn the course. You put in good courses, you put in all your efforts into it, you'll get good results. I can't guarantee you an A, but every cost has an effect. You put in all your time, all your efforts, do your project conscientiously, you get a good result. That's for sure. Causality. So, I have answered these questions. And uh, thank you for coming today. Uh, unless you have no more further questions, right? So, uh, I hope that uh, if this is your first time to come to the temple, um, Buddhism is not just a religion. It's more than just a religion. It is a religion, then it isn't a religion. It is philosophy, but then it isn't philosophy. Because philosophy changes. Sometimes certain philosophical thinking can be regarded as wrong, and then they've rechanged it. So, but that, that's another area of research that we, should, we could get into. What is Buddhism? It is just a name. Well, we can research, we can uh, talk more into it later. But that's all for today. Thank you for coming and uh, wish you the, the good fortune and prosperity and longevity and hoping that uh, all your future will be geared towards the purity of mind and um, we all should watch our moral conduct, um, raise the moral morality level, uh, only cultivate good causes. Um, good cause leads to good effect. Always concentrate on giving out. Giving is more blissful than, blissful than receiving. Charity, endurances, observing of precepts, diligence, building of wisdom, meditation, mind control. All this is geared towards a good life. A life that you can enjoy happiness. A life that will be stronger for you in the midst of all these, of all these sufferings. A life that will also elevate you to help more people to be away from suffering. 
So a Bodhisattva does not only help himself. A Bodhisattva is all rendering out, only giving. 